Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper. This is episode 127, 127, and I'm your old mate, DJ Payne. Now, on this episode, Matthew Jacoby and I, picture this in your mind, we're high-fiving, we are saluting, we are so excited, we've let off the party streamers because there's a brand new edition of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide out. It covers Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and Samuel. Oh, I'm so excited to get into this part of the Old Testament. On this episode of the podcast, we specifically are starting in the book of Joshua. Who was this man of God? What's he all about? What's his history? And why are there so many criticisms about the book of Joshua from the world outside looking in on Christianity? We've got so many questions to cover. Let's get into it now on this new episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew, sometimes do you ever get the feeling like uh, like it's all coming together, like things are being woven in such a way that if we were cleverer, we could take responsibility of it, yeah. but we're not, but sort of things feel like Lord is the Lord is sort of mm. orchestrating it. Going from Acts to Joshua, yes. That's, <laughs> and that's what you're referring that's to. That's exactly what I'm referring to, going from Acts. Because Acts, the lesson we've taken away from Acts, like your final line on the book of Acts mm. from the final verse, mm. talking about, you know, uh, boldness and the hindrances. Yeah. You know, like the without op- hindrance, it's the last two words in yeah. the book of Acts. Yeah, well, you know the the obstacles, the hindrances, yeah. the um, you know the boulders that lay in the way yeah. of where we think God wants us to go, or even what we know where God wants yeah. us to go. Yeah. Like that book of Acts teaches, our responsibility is just to be bold. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and God will handle. Yeah, that's right. The yeah. bolder part, you know, that's God will right. handle yeah. the pathway part. What a great Old yeah, Testament example right. of that is the Book of Joshua. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm and 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 it and the the where it even sits like as a, um, and this is probably a good point to start with because it, it gives there's a bit of a key here to understanding Old Testament stories is to recognise that in a very important sense, the story of Israel and Israel as a nation. Uh, have this prophetic function, okay? So, their experience, what happens... So, in a sense, they actually embody a prophetic message about the future. Yeah. So, that that there are things that happen and that they do that are meant to function prophetically for what is ultimately going to happen. So, for for example, of course, the the land of Canaan, that they're the promised land uh, that... Uh, was promised to Abraham that Moses leads them to the edge of the promised land and that that the book of Joshua is all about the invasion of the promised land, the taking over the promised land. This is um, a prefiguration, prefigurement of the, uh, of course, the kingdom of God uh, coming all over the world. Yes. You know, so, um, and, and therefore that connection between, um, 
Joshua and Acts is underscored in the sense that Acts is the beginning of the story yeah. of the kingdom of God coming in all the earth. Yes. Whereas Book of Joshua is the story it. of the kingdom of yes. God breaking into that part of the world. I love and it. of course, you know, the first one is a battle of flesh and blood. I mean, actually, it's a lot more than that in, in a sense. But uh, the most important aspect of that battle is actually a battle against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly yes. realms, as yes. Paul says in Ephesians six. But there is a there is a military element to that battle. Yeah. Whereas um, in the New Testament, it's uh, it's picking up the sword of the spirit, putting down the physical sword in in, in a sense, and picking up the sword of the spirit. Yeah. Uh, and not fighting against the world, but fighting for the world. Yeah. Uh, that is of humanity. It, it's it, it's so interesting, and I love the fact. Now, important thing to state when you say something like that, I don't want anyone to be confused. We are saying that this is a historically accurate book, the yeah, book of yeah, Joshua. Yeah. This is not like an analogy or a spiritual. No, no, that's like right. A, yeah. It's not like a Pilgrim's Progress of going, yeah. okay, these are symbols and these are you know metaphors or anything like that. No, 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 no. This is a historical book of actual you know uh, you know biography of people that have gone through this yeah. you know this this stage of history, and. The way of interpreting the spiritual element of it is is a, a, a tradition that was start, that was basically given by Christ and then the apostles, yep. especially Paul, yep. saying here's the spiritual application to what we've been reading about through the yep. you know through the Old yep. Testament books all this and, time. I mean, and one of the problems here is that this. Uh, can be taken too far and turn into what's known as allegorizing. So, yes. every story gets allegorized into a spiritual interpretation. Yeah. So, we don't want to go there, but we do want to recognize that there is this uh, this constant um, thing happening in the Bible where the future is prefigured in the yeah. in the present in, yes. in terms of these historical It's almost uh, like a pattern. It's almost events. like a rhyming yeah. history type of That's thing. That's right. And, and therefore, it is actually important that it is historical. Um, now, I... Uh, you know, I've read a lot of stuff where scholars are saying, well, everything up until pretty much David uh, is legend, all yes. of the history, you know, Joshua, Mythology. Judges. Yeah. Yep. Um, probably in some sense, they, uh, no, they do distinguish between myth and legend. Uh, oh, okay. So, they yes. say, so they will call ge- a lot of Genesis, for example, will be myth. Yes. Um, uh, even even to some extent, sometimes they take the whole patriarchal narrative as, as largely myth. Yes, um, these these are you know li- probably uh, world liberal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just um, uh, whereas they would refer to you know Joshua judges right up until the time of David that they would refer to as legend. And and the argument would s- that that they make which is not one I agree with, if yes. can I just uh, underscore that? Yeah. Uh, the argument they would make is, well, it do, you know, it's it's legend. It actually doesn't matter whether it's historical because it's all about this, the message, right? Yes. It's all about the theological message. But see, one of the most important theological messages in the Bible is that God has done things in history, yeah. actually in history. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're so, undermining yeah, their own. that's right. Yeah. So, uh, it actually is important that, that there are things that God has done in history yeah. um, that prefigure things that God is going to do in the future, actually in the course of history yeah. uh, coming up. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, if you do, and again, the same thing, if you read any uh, modern scholarship on the book of Joshua, the first thing they'll say is, look, we have a lot, <coughs> lot of archaeological problems, a lot of dating problems around this book and blah, 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 blah. Look, wait another 100 years, they'll have a whole other level of archaeological, you know, advancements yep. and stuff like that. It all It's constantly changing. Yeah. All, you know, although it's interesting um, that 
in j- just recently they uh, discovered a um, a shard of pottery with the name um, uh, of um, Gideon uh, um, from the uh, Book of Judges. Yeah, uh, from the Book of Judges. He, the, the other name that he was known as Je- Jeroboam. Yes, uh, and actually, interestingly, it was as uh, our audience know, I teach at Melbourne School of Theology, it was a team of Melbourne School of Theology students that were over in the Holy Land, Northern Israel, on a dig. And it was one of our students that actually found, just recently, found this bit of pottery with the name of uh, um, Jeroboam on it, uh, which is Gideon's other name. So, uh, even if it's not actual Gideon, you know, that it's yes. talking about, yes. uh, it does show that this is a name that was, cause, you know, it, yeah. that it was a name that was in use at yeah. that time, which really adds um, uh, credibility to the fact that this is not just, a, you know, a story from another time created in another time. And, yeah. uh, so, it certainly is an argument for that. Um, yeah historical reliability of the book. But, but but we shouldn't get we also shouldn't get drawn into yes uh, um, that kind of archae- what's known as archaeological minimalism which says archaeological minimalism says if we haven't discovered proof for it then yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah. Now that's extra that's, an extra- that's so arrogant. That's that's so arrogant. guilty until proven innocent yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, whereas I would say no. The the Bible, the text, actually is the evidence uh, that that it did happen. Yes. And uh, unless we, uh, you know, unless we have reason to doubt this, yeah. then we can take this as um, as fact. Exactly. I'm I'm 100 with you there. And so is you know most scholarship, you know, Jewish and whatever for most of history up until recently yeah. has been exactly. Yeah, on that's that. right. And we need to remember too, they're not. They're not trying to write history the way that we would write history today. It is heavily theological. It's concerned with uh, with the significance of these events, not just reporting. Yeah. I mean, as if, if anyone ever just reports facts these yes. days. But yeah. uh, you know, there's as Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got <laughs> philosophy this so, early this early in the podcast. Watch out. Watch yeah. Out. Anyway, uh, but the point is is that uh, this is. Um, uh, yeah, this this is historical. Uh, it's not modern history writing. Yep. It's it's it, it's a kind of sermon, really. Yes, uh, that that is, uh, I, I guess, um, telling the story of historic things that God did yeah. in history. Yes, uh, and why that's important and for it, today. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, there's there's a point. That's the, that's yeah, there's the, a point that's the point of it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's take let's take a a big zoom out. You know, here mm. on the person of Joshua and the book of Joshua. Let's do that. Let's, we've, we've sort <laughs> Good of, on you. Bring <laughs> us back, DJ. Well done. <laughs> we are going to pull you back from the philosophy world. Come back. Come back, Matt. Um, the uh, okay, uh, Joshua. The, the the life of Joshua is around about again. We don't know exactly. Around about uh, one thousand three hundred fifty five years before Christ. You know, thirteen fifty-five. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's You're right. about yeah, there yeah, yeah. till about twelve forty-five. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. He lived around a hundred. I think we've we've he lived not around, but he lived around one hundred and ten years. We mm-hmm. find out at the end of Joshua. So, and it's an amazing, it's an amazing um, century, basically, that mm. he lived off Jewish history yep. and a crucial part yep. of the Jewish, uh, you know, the chosen people's narrative. Uh, born in uh, Egypt. You know, in slavery in mm-hmm. Egypt, obviously yeah. Joshua, um, and uh, you know, and then we he his, uh, you know, goes out with the Egyptian, you know, goes out from Egypt with the Israelites under Moses, becomes Moses, 
right hand man basically his assistant yep and is is a core part of uh you know Moses's narrative and then right at the end of Moses's life Moses basically hands you know mm. the the uh, you know the old the old uh, you know baton onto Joshua, and then we have the story of Joshua yeah. leading these. It's actually really interesting, and if you want an interesting study, look up Joshua's name and everything that happens to Joshua, uh, because yeah. you know Joshua goes up onto the mountain t- to a certain extent with with Moses. Definitely uh, in uh, Exodus thirty three, it talks about the tent of meeting that Moses would go and 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 be in the presence of the Lord, you know, and 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 Joshua, Joshua would, would go with, and then Moses. Moses would go out and leave Joshua in there, yeah. just to you know soak it up a bit more. So, so Joshua is uh, is a young man that has truly been uh, well marinated in the presence and and knowledge of God. Yeah. He, when they come to the the first time uh, with with Moses, when they come to the border of the Promised Land, and the twelve spies came back, he's one of those spies. Well, even even before that, the fir- the first reference to Joshua that we see is is when the Israelites come uh, against the uh, Amalekites. I think the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, of and, course. And, yeah, and so Joshua, and so Moses says, right, give me the best of the best. Yeah, basically, he's like, give me the best, you know, yeah. crack quacks, you yeah. know, squad to lead it, lead an army together. And Joshua, yeah. and, and and the point is made then in Moses. This is Exodus yeah. seventeen. Uh, the point then is made is that Joshua did everything that yeah. Moses asked. Yeah, and you very get, good point. Yeah, you get yeah. the point of like Moses went right. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's a young guy that I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna start watching. And of course, Moses intercedes on the hill. This is yeah. uh, Exodus 17. Moses yeah. intercedes on the hill, and uh, Joshua's down there leading the battle and yeah. fighting and, and winning the battle. Very important. Again, yes. it's a kind of precursor to this uh, to to the you know what's going to happen here in the book of. Um, uh, book of Joshua. So yeah, so Joshua is one of the twelve spies, along with Caleb. Yep. Uh, he, uh, it's only he and Caleb who give a good report and say, yes, we should definitely go into the land. Yes. Uh, God's going to give it into our hands, but the other ten spies, of course, uh, so to speak, vote against that, and uh, and the people end up wandering in the desert. So everyone else die like of that generation. They all die out. Yeah. Moses and Caleb. Joshua they, and Caleb. Oh, sorry, Joshua and, and Caleb, I yeah. should say, uh, really uh, become the new leaders, and 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 so Joshua takes uh, Moses. Place so the most the so leadership the, the interesting part of it to think about it, like if we think about it practically, or if you want to visualize it in your mind, Joshua and Caleb, and and, and tradition says that Joshua is probably a couple years older. I don't know why mm. I read these type of things, but like the Jewish <laughs> tradition, yeah, I don't know about you know where they get this information from, but some of these rabbis and tradition says that you know Joshua is about five years older than Caleb. I, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, <laughs> but so putting them at that age around about the time that they you know that promise was made when they came out of Egypt, they were around 39, 40 years old. Joshua and Caleb, mm. you know. That, that sort yeah. of age group. And then at that point when they all died off, when they came to the promised land, that meant that Joshua and Caleb were the oldest, mm. yeah. you know, of, every, yeah. of yeah. all the Israelites yeah. there, they were the oldest <laughs> at about, at the time when this book of Joshua picks up, they're around about 80, 85 years old, mm. you know, uh, you know, in, in this, in this time. The other really interesting- it, That, that de- it, of course- Depends. Yeah. It depends on how we take the eight, because again, um, the- uh, the use of numbers is, is quite curious uh, in the Bible. All, uh, Often uh, it's used to make point, theological points yeah. uh, as opposed to necessarily being taken literally. I know, I know. And and some of the – and this is all based – there's one very important date 
or speech that is given and people dating it around that. It's it's the words of Caleb when Caleb mm. is asking for his land yeah. and he says, I am now 85 years old, you know, yeah. type of thing. They take that, you know, they're, yeah, they're yeah, measuring yeah. everything yeah, yeah, from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's but interesting. That's, yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, that's it's, fine. it's an interesting, yeah. fascinating study, you know, in that way, uh, you know, sort of, you know, the trivial part of that. But your point there that Joshua is a, a very key, um, you know, powerful figure in, mm. in the in the old, in the Old Testament, and really, and this is, comes through with his name, he is in one sense uh, a type of Christ, yeah. uh, both with what he does, yeah. but also with his name Joshua. His his uh, Jewish name would have been uh, Yehoshua uh, and, yeah. or Hosea. Is the way that yeah, we yeah. would say it. Like that's his or birth y- name, y- or Yeshua. Yes. Uh, otherwise, which, yeah. which, which is what, um, according to some of the scholars and stuff that I, I read, it says. You know, this is his Jewish name. He would have been born this, but Moses nicknamed him. You know, Moses okay, sort yeah. of gave him another name of Joshua. Yeah. You know, type of thing. And I'm like, wow, that is really, really fascinating. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And of course, uh, we should point out that that is Jesus. Yeah. Hebrew name yeah. uh, is Yeshua, yes, um, and which means the uh, the Lord saves, yes, and you know again highlights that link as we were saying at the start between Acts and Joshua yes. because of course Acts we referred to Acts as the Acts of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, moving out without hindrance, yeah. you know, into the ends of the earth, and uh, and so we have this wonderful symmetry between love- Acts and. Joshua. I love it. Now, here's, here's time for DJ's crazy conspiracy okay. rabbit trail of the week, right? <laughs> I, don't, I haven't done one of these for a long time. In this study, in my studies and reading up on Joshua, there is a group of people, um, uh, you know, Christian people, who believe that Joshua is not just a type of Christ, but was a prefigurement, like a pre, you know, embodied, what do you call that? A trans- yeah, Pre-incarnation. Pre- pre-incarnation of Christ. Why? Now, this is one of the reasons you're going to laugh at <laughs> you. Ready? I don't know. No, I, don't, way I don't believe. Now, yeah, yeah. let me just say, I don't believe this. Yeah, you know, right, I, yeah. I don't think the Bible, you no, know, I don't think the Bible no. teaches this. One of their reasons. I have not. That is a wild. Yeah. Uh, and I've, that's a wild one. And I'm not. Well, they, that. they say that it might not be. It's it's like a precursor or a shadowing or. Well, he's, you know, a, he's a. Yeah. He, he prefigures. But he they prefigures go, Christ they go in some further, sense. They yeah. go further than that because a lot of times, I think it's, I think it's 17 times in the Bible we don't just get the word, we don't just get Joshua or Joshua of the tribe of Ephraim or anything. We get Joshua, the son of Nun. Yeah. And they will go, and it's an old pun. It's an old joke. Like who was, did you know, who did Joshua's parents was? Yeah. He didn't have parents. He was the son of Nun. We only even get Joshua's mother's name is Nun, right? Yeah. Both in the, he, that's the same in like yeah. all the different languages is translated Nun. They'd say that because we're never given yeah. His father's name. It's like he, he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's like he's it's like a pre-shadowing of Jesus Christ being born of Mary. This is okay. the, it's this, still a wild Oh, it's, it's a it's, look, it's, it's a, a wild, wild theory. It's a wild theory, but there's something <laughs> yeah. about it that I go, oh gee, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, but can I just close the door on that <laughs> rabbit hole? I'm just going to close the door and, and you know, oh I do, put I a do, few yeah. shovelfuls of earth in that. <laughs> pat, it up, pat it down and lay yeah. that one to rest there. Yeah. Look, I just wanted to throw that out, out there. I, I liked it in as much as it made me go, oh, I really like yeah. this as, a, as, as you know, Joshua appreciating. And the other thing they say is that we're not listed 
in the Bible as far as, you know, again, to most interpretation, he's one of the few characters that we don't have a major fall or a sin listed mm. from Joshua. Yeah, right, yeah. He is righteous yep. all yep. the way through. He's sinless yep. all the way through. Yeah. So that's yep. another, I mean, some people would argue later on as he's taking the land, he sort of let things sort of, hmm. you know, he might have might oh, get a bit tired, yeah, yeah. but, you know, like, but yeah. these people would argue, hey, he's sinless. He didn't have a father on earth, didn't have an earthly yeah. father. <laughs> you know, he's got the same name as Christ. Hey, he, you know. Anyway, let's uh, lay you, that to rest. You, let's lay that. You'll just love those little, <laughs> those little rapid. Okay, that's your entertainment for this uh, yes. for this session. <laughs> now we're going to get back to business. Yeah, back to business. So, we, so we have we have basically the story of the Israelites coming out of of Egypt. We won't go through that story again. But they're led by the greatest leader that Israel has ever known. The person of Moses, mm. a man that God has said that no man has ever known God as much as yeah. God knew Moses, yeah. face to yeah. face, like a man talks to another yeah. man as yeah. Moses knew God. Yeah. Joshua, his right hand man. Now Moses is taken up and dies because of uh, you know uh, you know sin of you know the sin that he committed in leading the people out, and Joshua is is handled handed uh, the uh, the reins there. This is after 40 years of, of, mm. of wandering in the wilderness. So Joshua is ready to take on the mantle. Very interesting. Uh, none of Moses' descendants are mm. given yeah. a role in this, yeah. which is the natural way yeah. of thinking. Yeah. It is God's chosen person. Yeah, that's the person important. Of, yep, that's yeah. right. Yeah. God's chosen person is Joshua. So we, we finish the book of, uh, you know, the end of the five books of Moses mm. with, with Moses, you know, going up to the mountain, saying goodbye to everyone, seeing the promised land and yeah. dying. And then back in the camp, they mourn. Uh, and the whole of Israel, this new generation of mm. Israel is saying, Joshua, we are behind you. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. And well, that's the opening yeah, of the book yeah, that's of Joshua. Right. And so you get um, everything in the Pentateuch. So when I say the Pentateuch, I mean the first five books of the Bible, generally yes. understood as a body. And for a, a, a while, that was um, that was the scriptures. Uh, so um, the at the end of the Pentateuch, and, and and I guess the theme there is the fulfilment of the promises to the patriarchs. You know, yes. the fulfilment of the promise to Abraham. Okay, so so uh, blessed to be a blessing, and they're led to the promised land. But big part of that promise is the uh, entry into the promised land, yeah. and and that's what's going to happen now. And uh, in a sense, and again, we're talking prefigure. Uh, pref the prefigurement, this idea of prefiguring things prophetically. Um, this conquest of the land is a symbol of, in a sense, uh, the, 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 in some sense, the present uh, in breaking of the kingdom, yes. but ultimately that, that final conquest of the earth uh, by uh, the triumphant Christ and the ush ushering in of the final Sabbath rest, yeah. like the new Eden. So, so the the promised land is a kind of provisional new Eden. It's a, it's a symbol of yes. the new Eden that God is bringing about, the new heavens and the new earth in, yeah. in that sense. So, in just the same way as the ushering in of that final state is preceded by a great act of judgment on the peoples of the land. So also, and this is important to understand uh, the the rationale behind the invasion edict mm. uh, that is repeated throughout Deuteronomy and that Joshua carries out, is that uh, it was meant to be a, a, a prefigurement of this great 
final judgment, which is why it was so comprehensive uh, because, and it's in fact why God had held his people off till that particular generation. Yes. Uh, because as God says to Abraham in Genesis um, 15, I'm going to give you the lamb, but not yet. I'm going to wait till the sin of the Amorites has reached its full measure. And so, and so there's, there's this act, it's actual, it's an act of judgment. Yes. Okay. Now I know it's harsh, um, uh, but that's an act, you know, it's in a sense, it's, it's, it's very harshness is this act uh, of judgment. I mean, if you think book of Joshua is, Harsh, you should read Book of Revelation yeah. when the actual thing, you know, the, the actual final thing is yeah. uh, is described because this is a God who is saying, I'm, uh, I want you to have grace, but justice is inevitable. Yeah. Grace comes by your choice, otherwise justice is inevitable and this is what that look like, looks and like. And it's important to say that when you say it's harsh, well, it's harsh to our modern uh, yeah, mindset. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, for, for most, even even today, I would say most of the people living in the world today, if you went to them, read to the story of Joshua and told the whole story, they would go, yep, yep, cool. I'm cool with that. It's only mm. for us modern, mm. you know, enlightened, you know, comfortable people yeah. where we go, oh, gee, this is, oh, I don't know about yeah. this. Well, well, in fact, I'd go, yeah, I mean, even further in the ancient, in, in the ancient world, a God who does not defeat enemies- is is not anything not comprehensible yes. because they understood that that each region was ruled by a territorial deity, yeah. and even though uh, in the biblical worldview they're not God in that sense, but they're still recognised. There's this recognition of uh, territorial spirits in yes. some sense, and yes. of spiritual forces of evil behind the idols uh, that they worshipped, yeah. and so. Um, there certainly is this sense of God as as the as these battles are defeating flesh and blood enemies. That ultimately this is yeah. very much a spiritual battle. And and if you know the military battle, you know the idea of God not defeating these armies. Yeah. That, that's not it's not comprehensible to these people uh, for God not to do that. Well, yeah, and two two facts to overlay or even underlay what you just said there, Matt. <clears throat> There's a Hebrew name for God, you know, uh, I've forgotten what it is, Jehovah, you know, I've forgotten what- Lord the, of hosts. Lord of hosts. Yeah. Is it about yeah. the- yeah, Lord exactly. of armies. Yeah. Lord of armies. Yeah. That's one of his Jewish yeah. names that they call yeah. and call out yeah. to him that David writes about yeah. him is that he is the Lord of armies. Right? Yeah. There's a, there's yeah. a power there. And the other side of it, we're just coming out of the book of Deuteronomy for Moses. And Moses definitely doesn't just allude. Moses basically outlines and says, look, there are spiritual entities oh, yeah, over yeah. different parts of the land that God has yeah, got to right. set forth. Yeah. We have to, you know, like, so jo Joshua's yep. going in there with that mindset. And, and it's it's the ultimate preemptive move because, uh, you know, th God through Moses prophetically has said, if you allow, if you do not uh, destroy these people, and I mean, the most common thing is is drive them out of the land. Yes. Um, it seems that they were only destroyed if they held on and, and you know, but the, the idea of the this um, uh, having no one at all left in the land was that if you let them stay, yeah. they will with certainty corrupt corrupt you yeah. and, and draw you into idolatry. And of course, in the book of Judges, it exactly indicates that very point. That's exactly what happens. Well, let's let's kick off. In, yep. in, in, in uh, the opening chapter of Joshua, we have, you know, the Lord God charging Joshua there. They're standing on the, on the river together. Yep. 
and and you know I don't won't go through all of it here. Matt, you pick up or tell me. Well, the big uh, the, the the big and repeated theme here is be strong and courageous. Yeah, you know. So have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? So this is the, um, you know, God is warning Joshua not to flake out like they in Numbers uh, thirteen. Yes, like the the people did. You know, there are giants in the land. We can't go. We're going to be destroyed. No, God is saying. Don't be like that. Be strong and courageous. So if we pick it up in verse number five, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, God is speaking. He says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And then here's the first theme that we made, the major theme, verse six. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all all the land I swore to their ancestors, I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave to you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left, and then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it yep. day and night, and you be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed yep. in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Again, do not be afraid or discouraged, like the opposite of it. Mm. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah, and and there there is the the echo yep. uh, of, of the Book of Acts, or the Book of Acts is the is the echo of this. Yes, uh, you know that same message. It's about boldness. You've got to you know you've got to step out. Uh, there's there's that in a sense, prophetic moment where they go to cross the Jordan and uh, and they as they step in the water, it you know, it the water is held back. You know, as their feet touch, it's like step in yeah. and and the way uh, is made. But let, let me say something about uh, chapter two because this is um, and and because we're being very big picture here. Yes, uh, chapter two is this. Uh, interesting story about Rahab and the spies. Oh, this is fascinating. And this is given a lot of space. And yeah. so you think, what, what is, uh, you know, what, why is this story given so much space where we have this character, Rahab, who is included in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus as an ancestor of Jesus, right? So Rahab. Good. It's so now, good. Now, Rahab. This is the interesting thing about Rahab. She's a prostitute, and prostitution in those days was probably connect connected with the cult. Now, yes. remember, uh, you remember the story in the Book of Numbers uh, about the um, the men at uh, Baal Peor who committed adultery with the Moabite women. Yes, you know uh, they they couldn't. Um, Overtly curse Israel. So this is Balaam after, comes up with yes. this plan. Balaam the sorcerer comes up. Hey, we'll send in the in the cult prostitutes yeah. uh, to you know lead them in yeah, away. to lead them you know to lead the men away. Yeah. and of course that happens, and they lead them into a, 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 a idolatry. So so we're, we're meant to when we hear about Rahab the prostitute, we're meant to go oh yeah, uh, and because not only again you haven't got to this yet, yeah. Matt. This is the first first city they come to. Yeah, in the promised land, Jericho. Well, well yeah. just on the outskirts it, it, on the well, promised it's a, land. It's a fortress city that blocks the way. Yeah, yeah, is Jericho. So this is not these are. We're not talking even about a, a like a Jewish woman. Yeah, we're talking about a foreign Canaanite woman in a Canaanite. Oh uh, yeah, that, yeah, land. of course, yeah, yeah. You know, this is foreigners. Yeah, so, so this, they've gone ahead to spy. They've gone yeah. into Jericho and this uh, this occult prostitute. Yeah. Uh, 
has given them given them refuge. Now, now, straight away, when we read about two spies at the beginning of the Promised Land, we're meant to think yeah. Joshua and the writers are meant, going. I hope they pick up on this. We're meant to be thinking of numbers and the yeah, spy, yeah, and the yeah. original spies yeah, going. That's in. right. Yeah. So instead of sending, I love this. I love this about Joshua. Yeah. Joshua's like, look, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not sending twelve <laughs> spies in. I'm going to send two good guys that I trust because me yeah, and Caleb, right. me and yeah. Caleb got it right last that's time. That's right. <laughs> I, he's probably thinking they should have just sent. <laughs> maybe Moses should have just sent me and Caleb in the first place, and exactly. then uh, then we would have been right. Yeah. So he just. Sends, I love that. Yeah. He sends two faithful guys to be spies and go into the yeah. walled city of Jericho, yeah. much more dangerous Pretty than the gutsy, first one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is like full undercover. Yeah, and full it's not a big- uh, I've actually walked through the uh, the remains uh, of the city. It's just a mound. Uh, it's a mound now. Uh, and and you can see, you know, you can see the base of the, of the old walls yeah. and where all the different- I mean, it's- uh, you know, there's so many levels there, but it's not it's not big. Yes. Uh, but it was. Uh, they say it was probably um, more of a fortress okay. town guarding the way in. Yes. Uh, than it was uh, a huge yeah, like city, a huge yeah. bustling city uh, as such. So it's a massive walled city. So much so that people have rooms and apartments and, ha- and little yeah, houses yeah, within in, the walls. In the walls, yeah, that's right. In the walls themselves. And Rahab obviously is living high up, a few stories up yep. in, in the wall there. And immediately, so, yeah. immediately she somehow spots these two Jewish spies. Yeah. You know, that's that's miraculous uh, yeah. on, 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 you know, of and on itself. And her testimony- about her belief in this God of the Jews. Yeah, is great, yeah. And, and, it's, and, I, and again, this is so important at the beginning of the book because we're, we're about to go into a, a, what some modern scholars and, and, and people who want to distract a, a, a from this, you know, part of Israel's history and part of the Bible is saying, look, this is all about genocide of people and it's really horrible and stuff like that. This is an amazing story of grace yeah. for, for, for the most reprehensible part of society. Yeah. On a level that is just yeah. mind blowing, and that's and and that and this is the very important point of yeah. this, you know. So here is Rahab; she recognizes these spies. She has this faith. This this, you know, she knows about the God of Israel, and she she acts on faith in that, and she is saved. So what? We, let's go back to this idea that we're dealing here with a prefiguration of. Um, of this great, this great act of judgment yes. is about to happen, right? Yep. Now, particularly with Jericho, because Jericho is one of those cities that is, uh, a, a, the technical word is harem, which is devoted to destruction. You know, it's this idea uh, that it's set apart for absolute destruction, right? Yep. And yet, even though it's set apart for absolute destruction, um, yet, uh, so there's this act of judgment, but who, and here's the question, who gets saved, this is where this is. This has this prophetic element to this. Love it. Uh, this is pointing forward to something. Judgment is coming. Oh, but someone gets saved in this in this town. Is it the best? Yeah. Is it the best of the people? Is it the most godly? Yeah. No, actually, it's the cult prostitute yeah. that gets saved, yeah. and that it, it's just the most amazing uh, prefiguration of exactly what we see in the life of Jesus. Yeah. That you know, Jesus comes. He he announces uh, his return. Essentially, judgment. He's and you know brings a message of self. Who responds? It's the tax collectors and the prostitutes. It's it's not the best 
of the people. Yeah. It's actually the worst of the people. You know, it. he says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And what do we have here? The most lost person, you know, uh, is is the beneficiary of salvation. It's, this is the most wonderful message of of grace that that is is a and again this is given a lot of space here right yeah so it's not just a by the way thing no it's like hey everyone here's raise a flag yes. judgment is coming but but this is uh this is heralding something yeah about what is to come that there is grace for those who will entrust themselves to the god uh you know the God of Israel, the God of Jesus Christ. Big time. This is an amazing, amazing example of even salvation itself. That her faith isn't in anything that she can do. It's not in what she can muster. She knows that she has yeah. nothing to offer them yeah. other than sort of, you know, falling in with them and saying, yeah. "I will want to be one of you. Let me yeah. be part of you." Yeah. And it's just an amazing example of faith. And she is, and her whole know, family is saved. Oh, she, the whole she, family. She, the th- there's the other thing that I love about this, the tenacity that God loves, I think, yeah. of her saying, you know, she, she, she's so bold yeah. in saying, look, promise me, swear to me that yeah. you will save my family. Yeah. Swear. That's right. Like she is great grabbing hold tenacity, of it yeah. and saying yes. And then I love the tenacity of the two spies who are like, we, we promise, but yeah. we are totally innocent unless you do this one thing. Throw this. Yeah. And again, an amazing you know, yeah, yeah. symbology, but you don't want to go into too much of an analogy there. But a scarlet thread yeah. out the window. Yeah, absolutely. It is- well, no, but I do think that that's important because uh, the you know scarlet thread in the book of Leviticus and so forth associated with the sacrifices. Yes. And so, you know, I think there is a there is a symbolic, deliberate symbolic connection there. Definitely, yeah. definitely. L- listen, let's. this is an amazing part of the story but let's take a quick break have a, have a quick break and we'll come back here in Joshua chapter 2 on Thrive Deeper there family it's your old mate dj Payne here and i'm very very thankful that you have not only downloaded but you are listening to this episode of thrive deeper all about the book of joshua and the man himself well we want to take a moment and just really celebrate with you because we have gotten a lot of new listeners recently a lot of new subscribers and people coming over to the website thrive today TV. Now, because there's a lot of new people coming to the Thrive universe, for want of a better expression, I thought I'd take a couple of minutes and just explain what Thrive is all about. Uh, let me go back and give you a bit of a history. About a decade ago, uh, Matthew Jacoby, that you've been listening to, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, you might know him from uh, the, the band Sons of Korah, you might know him as a professor at the Melbourne School of Theology. Uh, You might know him as the lead teaching pastor at uh, One Hope Baptist Church in Geelong. Well, Matthew was working with the man we hardly ever mention at all, the man behind the scenes, Stuart Duncan. Now, Stuart Duncan is a legend in publishing and, and the music industry, and they were working together on a bunch of different projects, and they came up with the idea of uh, writing a daily reading guide through the Bible. 
that became Thrive, a little booklet, a little paper booklet that comes out four times a year. Every three months, a new booklet there. Now, you can get it as a paper booklet, uh, you know, an actual physical copy, or you can actually get it as an electronic one as well. A lot of people do that as well. And so, the, the Thrive Daily Reading Guide is what we call it, was born. And the plan with that is Matthew takes you through the entire Bible in about mm, seven years or so. And he's constantly updating, editing, redoing the plan, rewriting the devotional, so you never read the same thing twice, you know, no matter how long you're going through it. Uh, so that that is where the Thrive Daily Reading Guide began. Now, as that got started being used in churches, a lot of questions came out of, out of it. People reading through the Bible, having deeper questions than what Matthew obviously can go through on a daily reading guide. So out of that came this podcast, Thrive Deeper, exactly what it says on the tin. You know, we go through the Thrive and through the daily reading and go a bit deeper into the Word of God. And we've been doing this for just over three years now. About a year ago, we had another idea for another podcast, and that is Thrive Perspectives. Thrive Perspectives is our sister podcast that we do, and that's a little bit more about worldview, uh, current affairs, hot questions that people have about the faith, and what it means to be a Christian in the world that we live in today. So those two podcasts gave birth to what we call Thrive Today.tv. It's a channel, it's a place that gives you resources to take you further in the Word of God and help you thrive in your Christian walk. So underneath this Thrive banner, we also have Matthew Jacoby's book, Deeper Places. Deeper Places is a wonderful insight, a journey through the Psalms to bring you closer in your relationship to the Lord. Uh, There is also a small group or video Bible study series associated with that, which I highly recommend. You can find all of that over on Thrive Today. Now, we're excited because we also have Thrive Equip. This is a brand new idea that we have to bring you more teaching, shorter teaching, maybe even some more videos in the future uh, about different topics and subjects that will equip you to answer those tricky questions or maybe those fundamental questions you have about the Christian faith. And that is the Thrive Universe, as it was, thrivetoday.tv. If that interests you or you want to know more, please head over to the website thrivetoday.tv. Go check out all the sections. Uh, We have so much free information and free audio on there for you, but we also have so many plans that we want to do in the future. There's only so much we can do with the capacity and the finances we have and everything, as you know, costs money. So we're also asking that if you enjoy this content or you've been really blessed by it, consider hitting that donation button that you'll see right at the top of the page at thrivetoday.tv. That gives you the option to become a a member, a financial member of the Thrive community, and there's more and more growing benefits for that. Well, hey, that's enough for me. All about Thrive. You've got the whole picture now. Everything makes sense, I hope. So let's go back to me and Matt talking about the book of Joshua here on Thrive Deeper.
It's Thrive Deeper, episode 127. We're in Joshua chapter 2. We're right at the start of this new book that we're looking at. In fact, it's actually a new book of the uh, of the Thrive Deeper Reading Guide. This is the new, new edition. edition. Thrive, yeah. New edition out of Thrive covering August to October 2021. And we're kicking off in the amazing, exciting, non-stop roller coaster action film of Joshua. And it certainly is. <laughs> and we get we get we we've just stopped off at the end of this story of Rahab. Rahab a a uh, uh, you know, a, a prostitute for foreign demonic gods mm. in the in the fortress city of Jericho. She meets with these two nameless, you know, mm. uh, Jewish spies. They swear an oath to each other, mm. and she ends up saving the yeah, whole family. Right. Now, I yeah. love I love the fact that we're not given much about you know after this about Rahab, other than the fact that she appears in Matthew's yeah. genealogy. But the the other great thing is that uh, Jewish tradition says there's two two mm. branches of Jewish tradition here. Yeah. One is that she married Joshua himself. Ah, right. That's one. That's one, yeah. but not backed up yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, the more popular one, is that she married one of the spies. That when yeah, right. when when the, uh, when, yeah, okay, when yeah, the spies yeah. when the spies finally bring her out and save her family, she is then betrothed to one of the spies. And it is out of that union that she is able mm. to be part of the bloodline yeah. that you know ends up through Christ. So the other factor here is probably. We know, I mean, maybe one of these spies mm. is Jesus's great, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, grandfather maybe. here, yeah. which is really, really cool. Yeah. So now we have the story of Jericho. Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, hang on, don't jump. Uh, oh, okay, don't, don't want jump to jump. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, first of all, the crossing of the Jordan is uh, is important because of the way that it mirrors uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. Yes. Okay. So the the, the Red Sea crossing is important. Um, uh, crossing bodies of water is very important because. Uh, of the symbolism around water and the the, the underworld and and uh, you know um, that it, it was the sort of symbolised death and and the forces of chaos and so forth uh, and so you're passing through a body of water very very important symbolic significance that's the significance of the uh, parting of the Red Sea to come out of Egypt now they're moving into the Promised Land. And uh, and God holds back the waters of the Jordan, so it's yeah. it's in flood. It's um, much bigger river than it is uh, today. It's actually it's not a big. It's like uh, today the Jordan probably at its widest is like our in Geelong, like the Bowen. Oh, really? Uh, uh, but n- n- not. I mean, uh, probably there's. We have some quite wide bits yes. where the where the uh, our main roads. If you, that's if you live in Geelong. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not going to mean anything well, if you don't live in Geelong. Well, well how would uh, you say like half a kilometre wide? Not even. Oh no 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 no! It's it's you could throw a stone across it easily. So hundred yeah. metres at the widest. Uh, well, uh, n- nowadays it's not. It's it's uh, it. You know, it's probably. 20 metres, you know, across really? a lot of... Yeah, wow. it's not a big river. Uh, but in those days, it would have been a much a bigger river. Okay. Okay. So, much bigger river in those days. Yes. And look, it was in flood yes. uh, as well. So, um, but it's still... But a, but a, certainly a river like that is a big obstacle to uh, an army. Yep. Getting an army across into not, an area. Rivers not just famously, the army, all, yeah. all the people as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so, we have this amazing miracle of the parting of, of the uh, of the. River Jordan, the holding back of the waters. 
this is, you know, important because God is making a passage through. God is making the way for them. And uh, and they have, you know, to remember that, uh, that God had made a way, they take stones out of the river and they make this pile of stones so that they would always remember. And again, that underscores the bit that you were talking about, that this is historical yeah. because it makes statements like, and it's there to this day. Yes. Right? So, it actually, yeah. so, so. You know, subsequent generations were meant to look at the big pile of stones and say, that's because this happened. Yeah. God did this. So, that God did things in history, uh, that it's not just legend, is actually very important. And it's also important to note, you know, two other factors in this, in, in chapter three, the story of, of this new generation of Israelites yep. with Joshua <clears throat> crossing the Jordan River into the promised land. You know, two other factors here. This is, as you've already pointed out, a direct... Again, we're most we're reading this. They've crossed the river, and we go, "Hang on, haven't we? Haven't they crossed the body of river of water already?" Yeah. And we're thinking back on the last generation. Well, it's another way of God saying, "This is the new Moses." Yeah, Joshua right. is the yeah. new Moses. He's yeah. he's in control here. Obey him as you obeyed Moses. Yeah, that's right. In fact, it says after they come across, they come through on dry land, and the yeah. Yeah. Uh, it says in uh, verse fourteen, chapter two, verse fourteen. Uh, sorry, chapter. 4 verse 14, that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. So that's, and that's, and that's, and that's yeah. in ode to this. Even at the beginning there, you know, God says to Moses, you know, he says, uh, you know, today I will begin to make you a great leader in all yeah. the eyes of the people. Yeah. So, God has a purpose. That's right. That's right. God, so, God, so yeah. I mean, so they're going into the land. Now, now, what you do normally, if you're going into the land, you're going to mount an attack, is you prepare yourself for battle, yeah. right? You get, you get fit, you stretch, yeah. you sharpen your weapons, uh, and you expect... You know, that's what you would expect. So, they go and, you know, and they, they sharpen up their weapons and they uh, do some training. Uh, no, what do they do? Yeah. Uh, they have this mass circumcision, uh, rite of circumcision, because the younger generation, it's probably an indictment on the older generation, yes. who really lost it there in the desert, uh, largely, uh, that they're not circumcised uh, yeah. according to what God had um, commanded Abraham and passed through Moses. So, uh, so they've got to consecrate themselves um, through this act of circumcision. So, this is going to actually, you know, I mean, they're adults, you know, yeah. and, uh, and and this, this is no small thing. And so, they've even got to take time actually for them to heal. Uh, this is not the sort of thing that you would expect on the eve of battle, you know, when actually you, you might have expected, you know, they've crossed over. This is when you would actually expect armies to come at you. Yeah, yeah. So, so I would imagine when um, when... Uh, the Lord says to Joshua, make flint lives and, and circumcise all the men. Yeah. Uh, Joshua should have said, uh, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. We should yeah. have done that way earlier. <laughs> this is not a good moment. Yeah. We've just crossed the river. We're in em enemy territory. You're saying to us now, yeah. circumcise all the males, basically disabling them physically yes. for a number of uh, a number of days. At least. At least. Yeah. Yeah. You, and we're just sitting here, sitting ducks. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's, it's, it's this amazing example. And I love this, like in that chapter three, how does God display? And this, I think this is another important point because it's going to come to play, um, you know, it's going to come to play in the book of, uh, you know, slightly in the book of Judges. It's going to come to play in the future in the book yeah. of Samuel. It is the, it is God's presence in the Ark of the Covenant. 
yeah. with the priest that takes them through the water. Yeah, that's the right. priest are the first one through. Yeah. The priests stand there in the center yep. on dry ground. The priest, with the ark. Yep. With the yep. ark. The priest's feet aren't even yep. wet. And it is it is so upside down to what you would think a military yep. thing yep, is going right. to be. So, it sh- again, it's another thing that God so is So, covenant keeping is, is the leading edge here. That's it. Keep my covenant and yep. I will make a way. And, and this is another thing that we need to keep in our minds that this isn't just like- like it is five percent. Let me throw a figure out there. You know, a physical battle. Yeah, it is ninety-five yeah, percent a spiritual right, battle. Yeah. Rely, showing people how to rely yeah, on God. That's, that's right. Interestingly, at the end here of uh, chapter five, it says that they ate for the first time some of the produce of the land, and from that moment, imagine this. Up to that point, they've been eating what manna yeah. from heaven and quails. Yeah, and. Suddenly, the miraculous uh, provision of food stops. Yeah. So this is, you know, this is interesting. You get, uh, you, you know, you get the the old way of things. Is, you know, this God spoon feeding His people, so to speak, stops because, of course, now they've come into the land and God wants them uh, to uh, farm that land and uh, and draw their food uh, from the promised land. Uh, yeah. So interesting. Moment there, the well, manna stops, and and it's it's also interesting because we don't think we've sort of forgotten that they had been surviving on manna yeah, and quail right. all yeah. this time. <clears throat> yeah, you know, God had been providing, for and them. I'm sure that they would have loved that meal. It would have been a great meal for yeah, them. So the very yeah. first one. Now, at the end of chapter five, Matt, you've got to we've got to go yeah. into this. This is one of my favorite yeah. weird. You know what? You know those. You know those moments in the Bible, <laughs> and this is something I've mm. heard you say. But when you read something that is like, "What is going on here? What is this yeah. about?" We're meant to go, whoop, whoop, stop, stop, yeah, stop." God's right. trying to tell us something here. We get at the end of chapter. Chapter 5, Joshua and the Lord, Yahweh's commander, having a conversation. Yeah. It is really weird. I, I know. Uh, and I, I love it for that. So, um, I'm the command, you know, commander of the... Uh, it, like, um, I love the fact that he says... Um, uh, Joshua well, asks him, he sees this man standing in front of him with a drawn, draw, are you for us or for our enemies? Yeah. Now, Friend or foe? Yeah, fr- friend or foe. <laughs> and I love the the reply yeah. is neither. Yeah, well. Uh, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Now, so again, this isn't, this isn't about uh, just one local deity against another local deity. Otherwise it would be, oh, I'm with you guys against them. Yeah. No, I'm not. In fact, you're all kind of a bad lot. (laughs) You know, this is something, something's going on here that's way bigger than that. You know, uh, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. It's just, you know, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is whole. And this is interesting. Uh, And and, and there are a lot of people that uh, uh, refer to this perhaps as a a pre-incarnate Christ um, appearing to Joshua because... This is the commander of the army of the Lord, and yet uh, it's this is the Lord Himself in some sense, because the ground that you are standing on is holy ground, same as uh, you know what God said at the burning bush and so yeah. forth. So yeah, yeah. It's it, it, but I love the, the other thing I like about this is you know Joshua recognizes him as more than just this you know man or an angel or whatever it is. He he recognizes him as you know, his Lord. Yeah. So, you know, when he falls down on his face and says, I'm your servant, yeah. you know, come, what is your command? 
take off your sandals, holy ground. Joshua does it. End of the story. Yeah, that's we, it. We don't yeah. get, and then he said, "No, that's it." He takes off his sandals, and we don't know if there's more to it. Well, I love that because he's, you know, meet the one that's really yeah. leading this battle, and that's yeah. going to be important for Jericho because this is a very unconventional battle. Yes. Uh, so, so it's it really is the army of the Lord's, uh, the commander of the Lord's army, really is the one that does the bulk of the work here when we come to Jericho. Uh, and, as ima- we're and, see. And, and imagine being Joshua going into this into this land, into this place, about to about to take on Jericho. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's being faithful. He's, he's listening. He's wanting to do. But given this sort of glimpse into the real spiritual dimension of what, what yeah. is going on, i.e., God's, the Lord God and the commander, you know, of his armies – is is leading the way because this this is their judgment. Yeah. It sort of takes the responsibility of yeah, Joshua. That's right. You know, it takes it's it's yeah. like it's like, oh, okay. This is that's right. Your, this is I'm an act of God. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I love uh, I love I love that aspect. Yeah. Okay, chapter six. Yeah, so we move we move into uh into this a battle against Jericho. And this is something happens here. This is a very well-known story, obviously. Something happens here. This is different to any other battle. Uh, and so, because it's the first, it's the idea here is that they gain uh, a kind of um, sort of symbolic, uh, through the symbolism of the way that this happens, they gain an understanding. And this connects with, you know, this idea of meeting the commander of the Lord's army. So, they're getting an idea of who it is that's fighting for them and how the battle's won. And so, the, meet, the encounter with uh, the commander of the Lord's army and the way that Jericho, that the walls come down, is meant to be indicative of how all of this is going to work. This is how you're going to win th- uh, these battles. Yeah. Yeah, n- uh, not by might, not by uh, strength, but by, by my spirit, Yes, uh, says the Lord, as it says in um, Zechariah. So, um, so, they're commanded to, and this, this would have been weird, march around <laughs> once. If, so, just camp there. The gates are all locked up. Yeah. The, the people are trembling inside, and that's the ins- that's the inside information that the spies have got from Rahab. Yeah. Is that the people are everyone's freaking, terrified, right? Freaking so out. So the city's all closed up, yeah. barred up, right? Uh, they, expecting a, they're expecting a fight. Yeah, expecting a fight. There's, so they come yeah. up to the walls, pitch camp. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and not all, just and not just the men. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, everyone. That's everyone. Right. And then and then they do a circuit around the city. Yeah. Uh, and then camp, yeah. and then the next day, same again, just circuit around the city, march around the city with the Ark of the Covenant, you know, uh, at their lead. Uh, and so, they six days, this this goes on. Imagine yeah. what people inside, are, are, what on earth is going on here? This is crazy. Uh, and then, of course, the seventh day, they had to march around it seven times. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, it was obviously... It, uh, it was well fortified, but small enough for them to march around yeah, seven, seven times, times yeah. uh, in in one day, and uh, and then they're to give a shout, and of course, as we know, famous story, yeah. the walls come tumbling in, down in song and story, and and I think I think the giving a shout, and this is where again the prophetic significance of this, uh, you know, I connect this to the idea of. You know, God saying to Ezekiel, prophesy to the dry bones. Yep. And as he prophesies, the bones come to life. You know, the idea in, again, connected with Acts, don't shut your mouth. Yes. Share the message boldly because what is going to come out of your mouth is going to uh, topple all of the barriers. Yep. 
yeah, uh, in the way. And then the ultimate fulfillment that we see at the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus coming down and the sword coming from his mouth. It's his the mouth. speaking the word. Yeah. So it's such a strong New Testament theme. Yes. Uh, of this idea, the word of God, the message, the good news gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, Paul says in the, at the beginning of Romans. It's the sword of the spirit. He says in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we have that depicted Jesus coming in Revelation 19 with the sword coming out of his mouth. Uh, you move into Acts where it's all about whatever you do, you know, everyone's trying to shut their mouth, stop sharing this message. And, you know, the, in, in um, Acts chapter 4, you know, there's that famous prayer that for them to be bold and to yeah. keep sharing the message. Yeah. And all the way through the book of Acts, it's emphasized, you know, and they shared the message boldly. And as they do, there, you know, the walls come tumbling down, so to speak. So I think that you know the same idea here is sort of depicted in this. They raise this shout, the walls come down, and they move in and uh, and take the city. And Joshua lays out what God, what obviously the Lord God had told him, uh, whether that was yeah. the commander of the armies <coughs> that we just met, yeah. or whether it was a previous thing. <coughs> the Lord God had revealed to Joshua that they had to wipe out. Everything, burn yep. it all down, destroy yep. it all, kill everyone within it, kill everything in it. Gold, silver, and iron, bring that into the treasury. Do not keep anything else yep. that is yours. Uh, you know, um, you know, they completely destroyed everything. But even Joshua said, but you know, he looked at looking at the spies, guys, your job is to get Rahab and her family yeah, out of that's there. That's right. Right. We have yeah. sworn an oath. She has protected you guys, so we need to get her out, look after her. Yeah. But everybody else you know, destroy it all. Yeah, Do not right. keep anything for yourself. Yeah. If there's anything of value, it goes into the Lord's treasury. Yeah. Go. Boom. They, yeah. they wipe out everything. Yeah. They destroy. And this is where it gets, it gets, it gets yeah. scary for people. They destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, Goats, donkeys, yeah, everything is destroyed. And, and again, the reason and the echo of that is in Second Peter, where it talks about uh, the day of the Lord coming and the the complete purging, you know, of of the of the heavenly realms and the earth. You know, the heavens will be destroyed by in the earth and laid bare. You know, there's that absolute that idea of judgment, like total judgment. Yeah, uh, but. Of course, we have in the middle of this, as yeah. you said, we have this wonderful uh, kind of reminder of salvation. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is devoted to destruction, but I'll make sure so, get yeah. Rahab and her whole family yeah. out of this, you know, out of the city. I lo- and I right. love the fact in the midst of this, this is why I see, and, and you know, and she's referred to yeah. only Rahab the prostitute. <laughs> yeah. As if to, you know, only like only the most unworthy person in the city gets to be saved. It's just a I, wonderful and message I, and of grace. And I love this. While, like I just think it would visually like a movie while this absolute destruction is going on, you know, the men of men of Israel going in there and fighting and wiping everybody out, you know, Joshua leading the armies, okay, goes to the two spies, right, go now, grab yeah. Rahab and them. They go out, they bring out Rahab and all of her relatives, her family, brothers, sisters, yeah. mother, father, everybody, bring out the whole thing. And then, and then the writer of Joshua says, you know, so Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in her house because she'd hidden the spies, Joshua said to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. That's right. So the time the yeah. time of writing of this at the end of the you know the yeah. time of Joshua she's still there yeah. which actually it, it, I mean 
evidence suggests that actually is sometime later too yeah. when that yeah. because uh, and again we didn't say this but probably most of this book is actually written by Josh I mean yes. the, the original records but it's put it's actually final form most scholars agree is actually in the time of the exile yeah um, and so uh, you know um, so so there are different moments of and she lives among the Israelites to this day so there's there's the immediate generation so obviously at that at this point Joshua yes. who's probably writing this can say she lives among the Israelites to that day but certainly uh, her family yes. Uh, you know, later generations. Later generations yeah. uh, were there as well. Uh, well, I reckon that's a good, good. You know, the end of chapter six here is is a good time to 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 stop. We're running out of time for this episode, but it finishes. Uh, you know, the last couple of verses here in in chapter six is Joshua invoking a curse. Yeah. On on the on the land of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, which is very scary. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, it it echoes uh, Moses' instructions that. You know, Israel should completely destroy any city in which uh, wicked men arose to lead, lead people astray by worshipping other gods. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting that, that again, uh, I mean, I thought of this verse when I, a couple of years ago, when I sort of wor- walked over the mound that today is Jericho, and you can see they've dug into it and they've exposed elements of the base of the, uh, of the wall and the different periods. And, uh, and, it's just been this mound ever since, you know, and um, and I just thought of, I, you know, I thought of this. It's sort of off to there's a modern day uh, Jericho, um, Palestinian city of Jericho, and and it's kind of on the edge. It's kind of on the edge of the city, but I, you know, I thought of that. I thought Jericho, and and it sort of stands here at the end of chapter six as a as a kind of warning. You know, it's like this desolate place. Uh, it was made desolate uh, because of its evil and idolatry. But, you know, again, an idolatry that Rahab was very much connected with uh, through the cultic prostitution, but who was saved from. Yeah. And I think, you know, because that because that flag of salvation, you know, it's like the light shines brightest in the darkest places. And so the darkness of judgment, you know, uh, you know, I, and I, and I know this, you know, there's that strong theme in Joshua, but just look how much space is given to the, and effort around this Rahab story, yeah. uh, because this is meant to be light in the darkness. This is a message, uh, pointing forward to, uh, to the opportunity for salvation, no matter how far gone you are, yeah. there is this opposition, this opportunity uh, for salvation. And um, you know, and we read about Rahab who, who takes hold of this opportunity, and she is honoured from that point on. She's there among the Israelites to this day, included in the genealogy of Jesus. It's this wonderful story of grace preceding judgment. And, and I think enormously encouraging for us. Now, I'm going to tag one, after I just said we're, we're running out of time, I want to tag one more thing because I know this question is going to be sent yeah. to us. It's always sent to us or always, yeah, always yeah. whenever I've gone through the book of Joshua, this always comes up. Yeah. Is God saying it's okay to lie because of Rahab, because she lied <laughs> to the Jericho people? It always comes up. I know someone's thinking about it mm. right now. We haven't addressed it. So in wrapping up, I mean, I think it's a simple answer. Well... Um, it's uh, she. Well, she uh, she did the right thing. Yes, 
you know, big picture, she did the right thing. Yeah. I, I think that, that the way that that question comes up is um, it, it's almost in the, it's in the form of modern ethical dilemmas, the way that we shape them now. It's not real, you know, the, the fact is she did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, the, but the, but the, also the, the, the commandment the, is you shall not bear testimony against your neighbour. Yeah. Um, which she's not doing that. She's no. not bearing testimony against her neighbour. Yeah. She's protecting two she's men. She's protecting two, uh, two men. men. So And so she does the right thing. But the other factor is, the other thing that I always say to people, her name in the, in this record here is Rahab the prostitute. Yeah. you got more problems. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you yeah. got more problems talking about yeah, her lying yeah. than the prostitute. I didn't see you ask yeah. a question about the prostitute part. Yeah. Probably in some sort of weird cultic pra- practice. She's not exactly being held up here at this point in her yeah. life as the- ver- yeah, exactly. Pillar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think, look, just to close, I think let's just, the big kind of message here is be strong and courageous because God is making the way for you. God makes the way. We just walk in it. I, this is the wonderful thing about the Christian life. I don't make the way. God makes the way. I just need to have the boldness, the strength and the courage of faith, not a rash strength or courage, but the, the boldness of strength and courage to step out into that way, no matter what the seeming, what the adversity, no matter what the obstacles, is to have the kind of faith that says, no, God is making a way that sticks with God, you know, follows his lead and steps into the river and that sense of the river parting in front of them. Uh, I, I think as we focus on trusting God, we will find God faithful. Our role is to trust God, yep. do the right thing. Trust God, do the right thing. The rest is up to God and He is always faithful. So, what do you think? Are you as excited about the man Joshua and the book of Joshua as we are? We are absolutely loving the book of Joshua and getting to know this man of God in a whole new way. Now, you just heard what Matthew said. Uh, You know, there's a really simple relationship that God is calling us into. You know, trust, obey, and then he comes through. It's as simple as that. That's what he's want. I'm loving the takeaway from what we've just heard. On the next episode of Thrive Deeper, we're going to attempt to wrap up the whole rest of the book of Joshua on the next episode, as if we could actually really do that. But we'll do our best attempt. So please make sure you're subscribed and make sure you head over to thrivetoday.tv. We'd love to chat to you more there. All right. Until next time, we pray your life is thriving. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to 
ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.